You know, this is the, the third and final week in our, in our No Filter series, and, and I found it quite a challenging couple of weeks, to be honest. I found it really um, inspiring too, though. And I think often what happens is that the world has loads uh, of things and of challenges going on, but often the really important stuff often remains hidden and remains a, like a taboo subject to be talked about. And we're really aware as well that over the last couple of weeks, we may have touched on issues that you may have experience of, that you may be experiencing, that you may know someone who has or, or may, may be. And, and we really want to be sensitive to that as well this morning. And that's no different with what we're going to talk about this morning because uh, I'm going to talk about some of the work that FaZe does. But more than that really is about some of the challenges that, that face our children and young people in 21st century United Kingdom really. And um, we could hear the word vulnerable. But actually, um, I've got a, a bit of an issue with that, with that title because that sort of says that that's a label that we wear, that, oh, that I'm vulnerable and I've come from a vulnerable background or, or I'm a vulnerable young person. But actually, vulnerability can happen to any of us anytime, anywhere in the world that we live in, can't it? So I, I may be close to something today, but something could happen in my life tomorrow that makes me vulnerable to something. So actually, I want to take that label off you this morning. Um, you know, and that God is more than able to meet us at the points of our vulnerabilities rather than us being vulnerable. This is about us experiencing something, not about who we are as a person and our character. And I want to take that off this morning. And also the word marginalised is often thrown around. We're actually, what marginalised, where I, where I, my thinking of that is that marginalisation is just treating something or someone as insignificant and having no value. So that could come down to, the, to, to something simple as you've walked in here this morning and you may feel as though um, you know, somebody hasn't spoken to you. You may feel on the edge of something. You can feel marginalised through that. I'm hoping that hasn't happened this morning. We work really hard to make sure that doesn't happen. But actually all marginalisation is, is a feeling that we have when I don't feel, when I feel insignificant or I feel I haven't got a value. And so when we're talking about some of these issues this morning, they're the things that we're talking about, but this is not a label that we need to wear and need to live under for the rest of our lives. Because God can break into any circumstance, any situation, any life. Otherwise, as Dan said, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. So this morning, I want you to put on one side, you know, what you may think you know about young people and have an open mind to what God wants to say, really. And, and um, I'm going to put some statistics up and to give you a bit of a, an overview of what the borough is like in Dudley that we live. Um, some of them are quite startling so, and they could be quite overwhelming. But please, this is just a framework to put the rest of, of this morning in, if that's OK. So there are 67,900 children and young people aged 0 to 18 in our borough. And that's 22% of the total population. OK. Now, the majority of these people will get their nurture and their care and their support from family or extended family networks, which is great, and we thank God for that. But for some of them, they won't. And so some of the statistics that you're going to see now are relating to those children, young people that haven't got the support networks that they really deserve to have. So there were 13,858 contacts with children's services over the last 12 months, and 4,760 of these required some input by social care. So that's a third of all the contacts made with children's services needed some kind of safeguarding help. And out of that, 1,604 required a child protection response. And we currently have 356 children and young people on a child protection plan. And the top category for those plans at the moment is what we would term emotional abuse. It used to be neglect, 
but now it's emotional abuse. So that's 200 of that 356 are on a child protection plan for that very issue. We currently have 728 children and young people that would be considered as looked after by the local authority. 271 children were reported as missing from home to the police. That's an average of 22 per month. 22 young people and children go missing every month. And that doesn't include those that would, that would be termed as absent. The police changed their definitions very recently, and so it depends whether their class is absent or missing. So these are just the missing ones. I haven't got any figures for those that the police would class as absent. There were 3,903 domestic abuse notifications received from the police where children are present in the household. And 1,655 of those were repeat incidents. So that's 636 households in Dudley, in our borough, where children and young people are witnessing domestic abuse and seeing stuff they really, really shouldn't be seeing or experiencing. 95 young people were classed as being at risk of child sexual exploitation, and 29 of which were considered to be at significant risk or above. 3,534 live with an alcoholic dependent drinker. 1,198 live with a Class A drug user, while 1,797 live with a drug dependent parent. And that can be quite depressing <laughs> if we left it there. If we left it there. Because I know we can make statistics say whatever we want statistics to say. But you know what? I'm so thankful and grateful this morning that we have a God. We have a God who said this in Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Amen for that. Because if it stayed there, I don't, I, what would we do? But I'm so thankful and grateful this morning that we have a God that comes in and not just sits above it, but intervenes into it. I praise him for that. And so into the middle of the, this world, the statistics that you've seen, sits the organisation that I'm privileged to lead, FaZe Trust. And if you don't know much about FaZe, it started in 1999 um, with just a couple of people, really, that were going into schools and doing assemblies and after-school lessons and some RE stuff and suddenly realised they were falling over each other, all these youth workers in the town, and got together and formed this organisation called FaZe Trust, which now has nine staff and a whole host of volunteers that help us connect with like over 3,000 young people every year, which is amazing. And we have several streams of work, and uh, they cover sexual health, um, urban culture, which is the politically correct way of saying those young people that may be at risk of being gang-affiliated or getting involved in low-level crime, going to the criminal justice system far too early. Um, we have a community outreach department that works with partnerships with the police and across different areas of the borough. And our new stream from September, which I thank you for praying for, those of you that pray for us, and um, that we were able to, to employ somebody from September to work with primary age, age children, which means that we could take the stuff that we do and make it age appropriate, which is great. And we can intervene early and see some change happen for those young people. And we're going to look at a couple of, um, of streams this morning, um, one that I'm going to talk to you about and one that I'm less than experience to talk about and, and Nick Marshall is going to come and, and share in a bit He's, she's my special guest there's a shocker um, <laughs> about, about working with with young people and, and the whole area of, of foster and adoption which is equally as important there's so much to cram into a short space of time it's going to be like being on a train this morning that's bombing out of a station and you've just run and caught it I'm really sorry there's so much to actually get across this morning but I hope you catch something that actually connects with your spirit 
And the area that I want to talk to you about is the area of sexual health with young people because it's a huge area for FaZe. And it's a huge area for us because it's a huge area for young people. It's a huge area for young people. You know, they're making choices and, and some of them risk even life-threatening at times every day concerning their sexual behaviour. You know, and as a Christian organisation, we're very upfront about that. We are a YFC centre too, and, and we make no sort of apology for when we, when we go and meet people or go into schools. We are very clear that we are Christian and, uh, and the work that we do. So before we even ventured into this world, we went through a really rigorous process. And the rigorous process was to be very clear about why we wanted to engage with young people in this area and also where our line would be drawn. And so after a really prayerful and challenging time, we concluded that actually God was calling us to move into this area of work and into this world where young people are. And we began to run something called delay programs. And we did them in partnership, we wrote it in partnership with the local authority, which was the Teenage Pregnancy Unit then, which has now changed its name to Respect Yourself. And the whole idea is that we're trying to get young people to delay their first experience of something. In this instance, it's to delay their first experience of sex. Or if they have said yes in the past, that actually they don't have to continue to say yes, they can actually say no and take some control back about that area of their life. And we find that that's really, really important. So when we met together and we had these conversations with people in the local authority and other statutory organisations, we came together on the stuff that we could agree on. And we could agree on actually that young people were experiencing some stuff far too early. And we could make a, a statement and a stand against that together. And that's what we are doing. And the brilliant thing was that during our time working together, you know, we saw the head of that service at the time actually become a Christian, which was awesome. And some of you may remember we, we did um, a spotlight service in, in the old building a couple of years ago. And she came and spoke about our partnership together and about how she'd found God. And now she's in Bath um, in the southwest running services similar to what we do, meeting young people at the areas of their need, which is awesome totally still on fire for God and, um, and doing great things. And then from that came our developing work into the area of child sexual exploitation. And this is an awesome website, See Me, Hear Me. If you want to know any information about CSE, as it's shortened to, um, about any young people's stories, about what's going on in the region, this is the website to go to. There's some awesome videos on here too, which I would show if I had the time. And you may say to me, well, Jane, what is sexual exploitation? What is it actually all about? So I'm going to give you what the, the legal definition is, and then I'm going to give you a much, much better definition that's come actually from a young person. So here's the actual legal perspective of, of CSE. It's the sexual exploitation of children and young people under 18. It involves exploitative situations, contexts and relationships where young people or a third person or persons receive something, either food, accommodation, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, affection, gifts, money, as a result of performing and or others performing on them sexual activities. Child sexual exploitation can occur through use of technology without the child's immediate recognition. For example, the persuasion to post sexual images on the internet or their mobile phones with no immediate payment or gain. In all cases, those exploiting the child or young person have power over them by virtue of their age, their gender, their intellect, their physical strength and or economic or other resources. Violence, coercion and intimidation are common. Involvement in exploitative relationships being characterised in the main by the child or young person's limited availability of choice, there's the key word, choice, resulting from their social, economic and or emotional vulnerability. 
That's the legal thing. Here's the better one by a young person that just said this. It's when you don't know your choices and other people have all the power. That's basically what it is. When you don't know your choices and other people have all the power. And this is a very real issue across our borough. Sad to say, but it is. But not just for those young people that you might think are stereotypically at risk. You might have an image right now of somebody that you think, oh, yeah, that person may be susceptible or vulnerable to exploitation. It's not just about looked after children and children in the care system. It's estimated that only 20 to 25% fall into that category. Children and young people living at home can be just as vulnerable, if not more so, because they're not known to our social care system. And therefore, they're less likely to be seen as what we term vulnerable. So you could say to me, well, Jane, how do I know if someone's being exploited or somebody, you know, is, um, is what's an indicator of what's going on with them? Well, here's a quick few I'm going to quickly run through. Here's some indicators of somebody that may be being exploited. They're regularly coming home late or going missing. They've got unaccounted for monies or goods. So often mobile phones or credit for mobile phones, stuff that you know that you haven't given to them. They have reduced contact with their family and their friends and their other support networks. They may start mixing um, with different friendship groups, not with their usual group of friends that they've been friends with for years. They may stay out overnight with no explanation. They may stop attending school or even just go in and get their mark and come out again and, or be, even be excluded for their behaviour. They start becoming secretive and more withdrawn from the people that love and care about them. And the use of the internet starts to cause real concern. And we have worked with young people that have exhibited all of those indicators. All of those indicators. So where does it happen? Everywhere. Everywhere. And through our initial prevention work that we started to do with the delay project, we began to see young people disclosing the most awful situations that they'd found themselves in. And we knew we couldn't walk away from them. We couldn't walk away from them. So we placed staff in key priority schools across the borough where we realised that there was quite a hub of this sort of activity going on and uh, to pick up issues as soon as they happened because it was the best place to see young people. They found school a safe environment. We knew they were going to be there. And so we worked with 59 young people over the last 12 months that would be considered at high risk of being involved in CSE. But on top of that, we're also providing all the time important intelligence to the police. So we're passing on information all the time. It's a huge, huge area. And, and uh, after Nick's come and spoken now, we're going to pick up actually some things that actually we can do and actually walk into and walk together and journey together to help you know, children, young people experiencing some of this stuff. But a bit of shift of gears now. And just welcome Nick as she comes to speak to us about um, foster and adoption. Cheers, Nick. Thanks, Jane. Yeah, some of you will know that as a church, we've embraced the adoption and fostering world, putting a spotlight on this area for a number of years now. And I wanted to take this opportunity, as we're talking about vulnerable young people, to just share a little bit on what's been happening and give you an update. So two and a half years ago, we had two adoptive families in the church and we had two foster carers. Currently, we have eight adoptive families and five foster carers. So this equates to about 30 young people, ranging from a few months old up to 17. Um, and that's amazing growth, isn't it, really, in such a short space of time. 
And some of that growth has come through people joining us from other churches, um, mainly because of the youth work and the children's work that we have here, uh, but also what we do as a church. Um, two foster carers have become foster carers in the last two years after we started um, promoting this area. Um, and I, I think that's really, really brilliant. I'm really pleased about that. So what do we provide for families as a church? We run um, a support group for foster carers that, that runs each month. It's not predominantly for people in this church. We do have other foster carers who come, but it's a Christian support group. And we pray for each other, support each other, uh, practically help each other when we can. We also run a foster carers life group that meets every other week. And again, there's a few people from other churches that come to that. Um, and really that is about, again, praying and supporting for each other, um, praying for our children uh, and young people. But uh, really the whole point is to point towards God. Really, that's what we try and do as a group and keep our focus on God. For the children and young people that come here who fall into this, this kind of group, our children and youth work provides a community where they genuinely care for and love our children. Acceptance and belonging are key for all of us, but more so for children who've not found that in their home birth environment. And they have ongoing challenges associated with their past. So I want to take this opportunity to say a big thank you to Helena and Andy. I know they're not in the room, I don't think. Helena was in the, in the first service. And the teams of volunteers who work uh, with our children and provide a safe place for all of our children um, and we may never know the impact that this has on them and on generations to come. So we do a lot already, but could we do more? Yes, of course we could. The church wrapping around whole families is key. It's not just the job of the children and youth department to provide supportive and non-judgmental communities. Life groups are essential to this and how we continue to raise awareness of the kind of challenges that are out there with no filter. So I've said this a couple of times before when I, I've spoken about this area, but what are the things that you can do as you're, you're sat there hearing this? You can pray for all families of all descriptions. We know for all of us that family life can be uh, stressful and difficult at times. Mine and our teenagers, so we certainly are experiencing that. Um, you can spend time with other families that are different to your family. And there are lots of those, not just adoptive and foster families, lots of different makeup of families. Spend time with different people and listen to what they say about how their lives are. You could volunteer in the children and youth departments and input directly into children and young people's lives. They need to know that there are positive adults out there that care about them. And finally, you could even become an adopter or a foster carer yourself. I know Nick will be more than happy to, to speak to anybody that, that that has touched a nerve with, whether it's you know, wanting some information about how you can get started into a process to pray or actually get involved, or even if it's touched your heart about you maybe actually considering you know, being a foster or an adopter, she'd be more than happy to, to have a chat with you. So what have I learned through the last 10 years or so of working with, with issues that we've mentioned this morning? And there's just a few things that I just want to say, really. And firstly, this is the biggest one. It's people, not programs, that change people. It's people, not programs, that change people. And uh, there's two reasons um, why I believe that. 
and they're two very recent reasons that have supported it, really. And I just want to um, read something to you that was a blog that was written um, probably at the start of last week that some of you may have seen on social media already. But I'm just going to read it to you, and it'll become apparent what it's about. And it says, um, my quest to find 100 local heroes continues. And this week, I want to tell you about a lot of heroes. I've always known that there's a lot of lovely people in this world. And with this project, I realise that there are an incredible amount of kind-hearted, enthusiastic and dedicated people. This week, I want to tell you about the most amazing youth club I've ever seen. It's all down to Face Trust and Zion Christian Centre and about 50 volunteers and a handful of amazingly dedicated staff. This youth club attracts approximately 200 to 250 youth aged from 11 to 16 every Friday night. That's a huge amount of kids and a massive organisational task. The youth club is called the Hub in Halzoin and has been running for about 20 years. However, the success of it has doubled in the last couple. The youth club is self-sustained and the kids enjoy the club so much because of a fun and safe environment, the kindness and care of the leaders and the amazing activities that they offer. I photographed all the volunteers last Friday and on this particular night they had Governor B, a rapper, playing. The logistics behind running such a club is immense. The team have to be great communicators, especially the way they communicate with the youth. The team are mostly made up of volunteers who give up their Friday night so that lots of young teenagers can have a safe, fun and great place to spend their Friday night. I spoke to some of them and they said they keep coming because this youth club always offers great activities and they can meet their friends in a safe place and have a laugh at the end of the week. And as I was standing there taking photos of 234 happy dancing and jumping youthful people, I couldn't help smiling from ear to ear and so wishing I'd had a place like that when I was young. These volunteers, and in particular Andy for Zion Christian Centre and Tim working for Face Trust, are two heroes who stand out from the crowd. And they go far beyond what is expected of them in their jobs to make this youth club a success. They deeply care about this club being a safe environment where the youth feel relaxed and happy to be. And they continuously find ways of improving this organisation, the activities offered and the physical environment. Their dedication and care impressed me so much. And that's why... Andy, Tim, and all the volunteers and staff are local heroes. I think that needs a round of applause, guys, because that's you. That's all of you, whether you pray, whether you volunteer, whether you support the work that we do. And that's somebody who doesn't consider themselves to be a follower of Christ, coming in and onlooking and seeing what actually goes on when people get together who've got a passion brought together by God to see the lives of young people and children have the best outcomes they possibly have. And then on the other extreme, a couple of weeks ago, we were approached to, to, um, to make a video to celebrate partnership across the local authority in the borough. And we were given three weeks to do this project, and it was to celebrate for an event um, to, to, to launch the Early Help Initiative, which has been launched over Dudley in the last couple of weeks. And so we were tasked with pulling together over 20 organisations, um, pulling a video together to show exactly what, how powerful partnership can be. And a big thank you goes to Sam Jackson, actually, who actually um, pulled this together for us at very, very short notice. But I just want to show you what the power of partnership can be and what actually can happen when a group of people get together and really want to see lives changed. There are some amazing outtakes that I'm sure um, we can make available. We may put that, that, that thing on Leon's, Leon's computer and that little dancing move he's got on a, on a loop, I think. But, um, but yeah, so that was the clinical commissioning group, social care, heads of service, police, fire service, crews, local voluntary groups, all coming together to celebrate actually what 
power, there's power in partnership and what we can do. Because the second thing I've learned from that is actually everybody's raised by somebody. Everybody's raised by somebody. Everybody has a significant adult in their life. And, and why shouldn't those significant adults be Christians? Why can't they be Christians? You know, we can pray for that to happen, or you could even consider whether you could actually become one of those in the child or young people's world. You know, I remember people in my life, I'd, you know, in my family, I had quite a stable parental background, but there's still significant people in my life that made pivotal interventions into my journey that may help make me the person I am. And so please consider that. Another thing we can do is often we will share details of, of things that may flash up on your Facebook uh, accounts, if you have them, of when young people go missing. And I just ask you just to share them. Just press a button and click them onto your networks. That's all you have to do. You may not know who they are, but I can guarantee some of them we know personally, some of them we've worked with. Some of them we don't know, but we still share them because that's actually how a majority of them are found. So please, if that pops up in your feed, just, sh just press a button and click it on to the rest of your networks. That would be really, really helpful. You know, thirdly, maybe we need to change our language a little. Maybe when we see presenting behavior and we go, well, what, you know, what's wrong with you? Maybe we need to actually change that question into what's happened to you? What's your story? You know, we don't want to deal with the presenting behaviour. We want to look at what's actually fueling that presenting behaviour. What is it that's actually causing that to happen? And we can't do that if we're asking what's wrong with somebody. There's nothing wrong with them. They've just got a story. They've just had an experience that has meant that actually they're exhibiting a certain set of behaviours. But the biggest thing and finally the thing I want us to leave this room with after these three weeks is we carry hope. We carry hope. And I see Jesus interacting with people all the time in my Bible. You know, whether it's intentional and he'd arranged to meet somebody or whether he just bumped into them while he was on his way to somewhere or people just seem to bump into him sometimes. But whether it was the woman at the well in Samaria, whether it's the woman that was caught in adultery, whether it was the tax collector he had a meal with, whether it was the lepers that he met and he healed, or even, even the thief who was crucified with him on the day that he died, Jesus dealt with them all the same. He didn't condone their behaviour. He certainly addressed it. But he definitely offered a doorway to hope. And that's what our organisation does, and I'm proud to say that I'm privileged of doing that with the team that I lead. But you know what? That's our privilege too. If you know Jesus this morning and you would consider yourself a follower of Christ, you are a doorway to hope for somebody and somebody's world. You know, we believe as a team that for every young person that we work with or encounter, a change can happen. And God can break through into the most hopeless and lifeless situation. Do we see change every time? No. And I wish we could say that we did. But you know what? For a significant amount of the young people that we work with and we see, we do see change. And we do see movement. And we do see hope. We want, but we want to expect more. We want to believe more. And we definitely hope more. For the children and young people that we work with. So why not just simply make a, a commitment to make a contribution to the world? Even saying hello to them as they work through church on a Sunday. They're not scary people, are you? You are, Angel. Well, maybe Angel is scary, but, but <laughs> seriously, it's all good underneath that. It's all good underneath that. But just say hello. You know, try not to make a judgment, judgment on them. Be a positive voice into their world. They actually really like it when we interact with them. Because actually we're a missing part of their world sometimes. And we can bring that, that voice that they're needing to hear. So at the end of these three weeks, you know, what can we say about what we've heard that has been challenging and yet inspiring and encouraging? 
One thing I'm sure of is that every life is of great value to God. Every life. So whether we would consider ourselves to come from a quite privileged background and a stable background, a love background, or whether we look back and our past hasn't been like that, I can tell you this morning, every single life in this place is of great and equal value to God. And we can pray. Nick said, you know, James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We can pray for all of the issues that we've raised over the last three weeks. And the ones that maybe break your heart that we haven't had a chance to speak into. We can speak out or speak up on behalf of those that have no voice. We can stand in the gap for those that can't stand themselves at the moment. We can support those that need supporting. You can look for ways to get involved. And the biggest thing is we call to go, aren't we? If it all stays in here, it's of no use at all to the world out there we call to go and I just invite you to stand and we're going to sing as we finish this morning a song that we've sung for the past two weeks which says everything that we need to say really keep us from just singing Lord move us into action whatever that is whether it moves us to our knees or it moves our hands and our feet out into a community but move us Lord <laughs>